In fact, if I drive through, and I'm using Carlisle as an example because Carlisle has a nice, a lot of nice little cul-de-sacs um, where there's, you know, an enclave of luxury homes or, you know, older bungalows or whatever, where you'll find a bunch of bikes, kids' bikes on the front lawn or on the front driveway, like you and I probably saw back in, you know, went in the early eighties or mid eighties, yeah. uh, when, when that was the only thing to do, like go and see, you know, your friend Jimmy knock on the door, can Jimmy come out and play? Yeah. And you, you know, the only way you knew where all your friends were, were where the bikes were in the front lawn, right? Welcome to episode 89 of KT Confidential. We are your hosts. I'm Ariel Cremendi. He's Adrian Trot. I'm Adrian Trot. Welcome to the show. Hey, first of all, let's start off. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe and drop a like. Appreciate you watching the show. And if you're streaming it, wherever you're streaming it, which could be one of many places, let us know. Comment. Tell us what you think and follow us. You know, it's funny. I was talking to one of our... Um, soon-to-be clients. Uh, we're working with him on buying an investment property or two. And uh, I, I was speaking to him and he says, um, oh yeah, I, I watched that in one of your recent podcasts. So he's a f- avid, avid follower. And I said, well, do you have any, any topics that you want us to discuss in upcoming uh, episodes? And he says, actually, every time I think of something, the next podcast is that's what you talk about. So it's." Uh, <laughs> We must, uh, it's, it's kismet. We must be thinking alike. Anyways. That's funny. Uh, well, I think, I think this week, uh, the topic, it, it flows nicely from last week. And I think it may be, you know, uh, to your point, I think maybe it's a question or something that's come up because of that topic. So last week we talked about, you can't hear me? You can't hear anything? You cut out. Can't hear you. I hear you fine. Hang on. Okay, you can keep talking. I'll uh, try to figure out what's going on. There, there. You hear me? Now. I didn't change anything. You can hear me now. You can hear me fine. I can hear you now. So what I was Every saying is... word you say to me. I'm going to just sit here and let you serenade me. Last week, we talked about the number one things on buyer's list. What's motivating and encouraging people to move right now what they're looking for, and that nicely leads into this week's conversation. No, so last, last week we talked about last week we talked about open houses. It was two weeks ago. Oh shit! Sorry, two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks ago we talked about uh, time flies when you're having fun. Oh my goodness, isn't it unbelievable having so much fun? And uh, so those things, if you didn't listen to it, make sure you do. But the number one things that are driving people to move right now are things related to um, space. I'd say strongly, strongly influenced by the situation with COVID too, being confined to your house. People want space. They want to live in rural properties instead of urban, or they want urban properties that have bigger, more private lots. And they want pools and things where they can get out and enjoy the space without feeling confined. And tons of people moving out of the city, especially, you know, like big city, like Toronto living, small three, four, 500 square foot condo. They want a house, something in the backyard. And the people in the urban areas are now like, I want rural. I need something bigger than this. Uh, so today we're talking about pros and cons to rural living. So urban, 
versus rural? What are the pros? What are the cons? Let me just uh, kind of backtrack a little bit on on this discussion before we get into it, because every I'm going to preface all of this by saying everybody has their own wish list and everybody that wants to move to rural setting uh, will have their own reasons for, for doing so. Yeah. But the amount of people that we've seen that want to move out of the urban areas into the rural areas have increased dramatically in the last few years. And, you know, our prime trade area is uh, Halton and Peel region, Hamilton region. And, um, and from those regions specifically, we are seeing that transition, right? And, and that transition is twofold because you see people moving. And again, I had this discussion a couple of days ago with a client that why is, why is Mississauga and Milton, as an example, um, booming? And it's because people in Toronto, there's a lot of young professionals, as an example, right? In their 30s, they hook yeah. up, they, they, find, they find their forever spouse, hopefully forever. They have kids. And now they say, well, now we're going we're gonna to move to the burbs. It's and, funny that uh, you have to say forever spouse. It's like, it's like people say forever home, and they, they just yeah. know that there's going to be in-between ones. <laughs> 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 Hopefully that's not the same as your spouse. Yeah, well, you know, the uh, divorce rates are quite high these days. But That's true. Um, anyway, so, you know, uh, what I'm talking about is that transitional period from going into being single um, or just a couple without kids or a couple in your younger years. Um, and then you say, well, you know, we can't afford might like living on King Street in Toronto, but we can't afford to. Uh, yeah. We can't afford to buy something, and and certainly you don't want to raise children there. Um, so now let's move to Etobicoke. Let's move to Mississauga. Can't afford yeah. those. Let's move to Milton. Can't afford that. Let's move to Guelph. Yeah. Um, so you end up in a in an urban setting, and then once what happens is. Um, when you're living in the urban setting, a lot of people are feel, feeling confined. They're feeling like they don't have space in their backyard because the yards are quite small and for most properties. Uh, the property, the home itself is usually um, not as big and uh, the roads are, are busier. Um, so we're getting a lot of calls of people that, uh, from people that, you know, they own a, a nice home now and uh, they said, well, our dream has been or, or we would hope that our next move uh, would be on something like a one-acre property with a 3,000-square-foot home or whatever with a double-car garage and with a pool or the ability to put a pool on a nice, right. quiet street, uh, something like our, our listing that we, uh, we listed on uh, Appaloosa Trail there. Uh, yeah. You know, so so we're getting a lot of those calls. So that's what's prompted this this discussion today. Um, it's something you and I have talked about that that our future goals are probably to to make that transitional move a little bit diff- more difficult when you have kids that are in school already and you don't necessarily want to move them out. But 
you know, when you do it, when they're, I, I, when I agree. The younger, I disagree. The, young, the, younger, the younger they are, the better it is to, to make that move. Yeah. Are you going to disagree because you think it gives them an opportunity to meet new people or? No, no, not necessarily. I just, well, I mean, you know, any change is hard and it's easy to find excuses, but I think, you know, um, I, I think there's, you know, you can still keep them in touch with their existing friends and, you know, they, there's so many things that the kids may love about a, a rural property, being able to run around or get an ATV or, you know, whatever, depends on the type of house. Maybe that pool will be the selling feature for them. But uh, it's interesting because every, you know, you get a lot of people that move from the city, downtown core from Toronto, they move one, one municipality over and then they, maybe they go a little bit further and then they go a little bit, you know, eventually they make that transition. And it's a, it is a trend progression because a lot of people that I've worked with that move from uh, Toronto to the Halton region specifically, they just, they're like, it's too quiet here. I can't sleep at night um, because they're so used to having those ambient sounds. They enjoy the hustle and bustle of the city. So it can be a hard move, but there's a lot of benefits that come with it. But uh, anyways, let's get into pros and cons of moving to a rural area. I hate that word too. It's such an awkward word. Rural. To the country. Move to the country. Move to the country. All right. So what, what, let's just define rural um, and, and kind of geographic location. So in, in Halton, you really anything in Milton west of Tremaine Road and people are going to start to become very familiar with Tremaine Road once the uh, interchange on the 401 opens up in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, but a anything west, yeah, anything west of Tremaine Road really is rural until you you get yeah, into, west of Tremaine, north of Steeles, south of well, not really well, south, south of very stuff. little, the very small little section, lower baseline area. Yes, which will between Britannia and lower baseline is the next phase, uh, uh, the next growth phase after the Boyne survey in Milton, the yep. 17,500 homes, then they are going to transition into that block. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but that's between yep. Britannia and lower baseline up to uh, James Snow Parkway uh, down to Tremaine um, and probably another 12 or something thousand homes going in there. Yeah. Uh, but that'll eliminate anything south. So really from the lake, you're driving up to Steeles Avenue and anything north of Steeles would kind of be a rural. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about it then. So well, let's just, first of all, one of the big things that's changed that I think a lot of people would say is a, a negative is uh, your distance to work or your commute. But I think that's changed for a lot of people, especially right now, uh, with flexibility of working environments. People are now often, uh, and it may not change. A lot of people are not going back to work. They're not going to the office anymore. Businesses have realized it's not necessary. They've recognized their employees can be productive working from home. And that they've now been given that freedom. And maybe now they're even being more productive. Who knows? Uh, so that's well, and, a big thing. And and a lot of people have, have had to retool how they earn an income. Yeah. So now you have people that are, um, well, I'll give you an example. So 
my spouse was on my payroll as an assistant doing some work for me at home, um, maybe running around picking up a check or, or doing some things like that or dropping off uh, a sold sign and, and, and random things like that for me. Uh, but once we shut down the office, I cut her off the payroll because we didn't have any income coming in. And she's like, well, I need to have my own, my own income too. Uh, even though, you know, everything is shared, but, um, she likes to have her own money and rightfully so. Uh, so she's now a representative for a company called Zaya, uh, an active, uh, sportswear company. Yeah. I see Uh, all her posts. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, she's been getting very active on social media and, uh, and is actually doing a tremendous job in, in getting a, a client base and all this. And so, so she started this business, um, you know, uh, in, in times that she's not taking care of the kids and the house and all that stuff. Um, so kind of like a part-time, not so part-time thing, but social media and the phone. Uh, has enabled her to to be able to do that, and what I'm seeing is that there's a lot of people doing those sort of things. Uh, they're they're making things at home for for selling, um, you know, so handmade, handcrafted items. Uh, they are becoming more productive with uh, earning secondary income. So even if they do have their uh, sole employment still running the way it was and, and getting paid the way they were, now they're thinking, well, you know, it would be nice to have additional income. Yeah. Um, well, and there's so many easy ways to do it from, you know, using freelance websites to making a product to flipping stuff to drop shipping. Uh, the options are endless. So uh, quick side note, the whole drop ship concept has always been something that I wanted to learn about. So back in March, April, uh, I actually took the full uh, Shopify course yeah. and uh, signed up with uh, Uberlo, uh, yeah. which is one of the big uh, suppliers for, for drop shipping companies. It is amazing, amazing how many people are resellers on Amazon that are just drop shipping items that they linked up with a company or even like Alibaba Express and these companies. And uh, I'll give you an example. We have these um, silicone uh, muffin cups. Yep. We got similar. uh, Yeah. Well, I think we paid 10 bucks for, for the lot of them when, you know, you you don't think of it because if you go into the store, that's what you're going to pay 10 bucks. Meanwhile, while I was doing my course and, and, and looking into all these items that you can drop ship and, uh, well, these, these silicone cups come up and it's like a dollar 90, uh, for, for what we paid 10 bucks for. Right. And I'm like, wow, there no, no wonder there are people doing this. There's good profit in it. Well, uh, I mean, and- if you think of it, it's no different than having a retail store. I mean, you're just that's right. taking products from various manufacturers and distributors. Well, it is different. It is different because you don't have the overhead. No, that's well, for number, sure. But I mean, the one concept you, of it. One, the concept is the same. It's, it's, it's wholesale to consumer it's, with yeah. a retailer in the and middle. And who can, who can, who can uh, market their, their store the best and draw more traffic in? You just I don't was have tra- physical location. So... So while I was going through this, I was interested in getting, I don't know if you've seen these acupuncture mats 
where you lay down on them and it's supposed to be doing all kinds of, you know, balancing of your, your, your body and your muscles. It, it's like acupuncture, but like it's a needles of, in it? it they're kind of like plastic. You know what they look like? They look like spikes at the bottom of your golf shoes. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. But they're pointier and there's more of them. So more, okay. And, and it's a mat and you lay down on it and it's supposed to like do the same thing acupuncture does. You're close to it. And, um, and I was going through this whole Zen phase and, and, you know, my meditation that I picked up, uh, that I'm doing on a regular basis and all this. And I was, and I have a bad back and I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a try. And it was like a hundred bucks, 120 bucks. And I'm like, well, that's kind of expensive, but they're selling a shit ton of them. It's like $17 to drop ship it from China. And I'm like, well, oh man, good thing I didn't order it because I would have felt ripped off looking at that right now. Yeah. But anyways, the whole, the whole concept, the whole idea is I think there's more people that are doing these sort of things, more people going on to like Fiverr and um, freelancer.com and places like that and becoming, um, selling their expertise to people that need it. Um, and then there's a lot of people that are just working virtually. Even if I look within our own business, our property management company has learned how to do, um, uh, checkups on properties virtually. We've learned how to do in, in on the purchase and selling side of things. We've learned how to perfect, uh, a consultation virtually people enjoy it. They they're more comfortable with it. They're doing it in the comfort of their home. So I think it's it's brought in a new world, but uh, that's the transitional phase. And if I think to our children, you know, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, how they will want to work, do you really think somebody's going to want to pop in a car at that point and drive an hour to work or hop on a go train and, and be in that hustle and bustle to go for an hour and probably make less money than they could by sitting at home working. Yeah, there's no schedule. need to. There's no things need to. Are, and things are changing. Board meetings, all this stuff. Everything's going to go to virtual. Well, no, I, yeah, sorry. That's okay. I mean, it's a little bit of a drawn out answer to uh, the first point, but I it's very relevant, and I don't think it'll change anytime soon. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of kibosh is that concern for a lot of people because they no longer necessarily have the same commute. Um, so they have the flexibility of being able to live uh, in more areas without the, the concern of driving a lot. Correct. Um, now, are we going to go down the positives or negatives, pros and cons? Or are sure, we gonna throw mix me a up? positive. What's a positive? Well, there, there, for me, there's a lot of positives, uh, but one of them is just getting away from the traffic and the congestion and having a little bit more breathing room, right? Uh, without, potentially without being too far because, okay, I'm lucky enough that I have a property up north that certainly if I drive up there, I've got that breathing room, I feel good, I've got all that stuff, but it's a three-hour drive. Yeah. You, you go out to Carlisle, I don't know, door-to-door, -door, how, how long does it take you to get to Appaloosa Trail? 16 minutes? Yeah, 20 max. It's, but it's uh, an enjoyable drive, too. Right. So, so you get the country setting without being far, and a lot of people that will talk, that I talk to, 
especially ones that work. If, if you work in Milton, Oakville, Mississauga, Burlington, Brampton, you have the ability to, within a 20, 25 minute drive, be in that country, that rural setting. Yeah. And just have that nice short drive, but very comfortable and peaceful drive to, to work or back home. And a lot of people say, hey, I need that time to unwind before I get home. Like you and I, our offices in Oakville and, and Milton, if we go to either of our offices, um, you know, it's not that nice of a drive and it's not a, a very uh, peaceful or long enough drive that, that we kind of are able to decompress, if you will, yeah. uh, on the way home. But your point was it's, it, when you're there, because we're getting back onto the commute thing, when you're there, it's quieter and more peaceful. Is that what you're Correct. saying? Correct. Yes. Like you get the, the, the pro is you're, you're getting that peace and quiet. You're getting the mature trees most of the time. You're getting the quiet streets where the kids can go out in the street and play. There's a huge uh, pro. Like how many streets are there in urban areas where you feel comfortable letting your kids out on the street? There's not many. Right. In fact, if I drive through, and I'm using Carlisle as an example because Carlisle has a nice, a lot of nice little cul-de-sacs um, where there's, you know, an enclave of luxury homes or, you know, older bungalows or whatever, where you'll find a bunch of bikes, kids' bikes on the front lawn or on the front driveway, like you and I probably saw back in you know, went in the early eighties or mid eighties, yeah. uh, when, when that was the only thing to do, like go and see, you know, your friend Jimmy knock on the door, can Jimmy come out and play? Yeah. And you, you know, the only way you knew where all your friends were, were where the bikes were in the front lawn, right? You still see that in those, uh, in those rural settings. Yeah. You don't really see it in, in, higher density urban areas. No. And I think it, uh, the peace and quiet, it contributes to, you know, I think I'm a big advocate of um, just the fact that your home should be a place where when you, when you go in, you should be able to unwind and feel at peace and comfortable and happy and enjoy the space. And uh, for some people, and uh, you know, me personally, the idea of having um, the rule atmosphere with the bigger property and some more big trees and i think that really contributes to that you pull into your you know driveway that can fit more than half a car and um you know i i think i think it really contributes to that so just sitting out back and hearing the birds chirp and hearing the breeze blow through the trees um is very nice to the point though where you know with my house in urban milton putting those trees up in my backyard it completely changed the dynamics of it so if you can't afford or don't want to move to a rural area, but you do want some of that, um, I don't know what you'd refer to it as, but by having the trees there, it just it makes a world of difference. I agree. Uh, obviously, we've talked about it before. I did the same thing with putting up my cedars and the trees. I've got the two maples, all the pear, ornamental pear trees, and then the cedars across the back. Even though it's a small backyard, now that it's it's filled in over the last three to four years since we've installed it, um, and it's, it's really nice. Like, I think it's, it's really nice to sit out back there. It's very peaceful. 
um, certainly yeah. makes me less uh, anxious or give me that anxiety that I got when I looked out my window and all I saw was my neighbor directly behind me. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, no offense to you, but uh, you and my neighbor behind me and the one behind you with all of your pergolas and your outhouses. You don't like me, you don't like me skinny dipping in the hot tub? Well, <laughs> it, it's not even so much the skinny dipping part. Um, do you do you go into your hot tub naked? I don't usually go into it naked, but I am in it naked sometimes. Yeah. If that makes sense. You can't see anything with the jets going. Well, I don't, I I really don't care. To me, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Does your wife go in naked? Yeah. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> it's not I think I think a lot of people do. Do your kids do your kids go into in the hot tub? Yeah, we turn the temperature down for them. So like if we know they want to go in one night, it's gonna be cooler, we'll turn the heater off during the day and open the lid, it gets down to like bathtub temperature and they can go and play in the evening. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, another, now you give a pearl. All right, so we've got, what have we got? We've got um, the commute is not so bad anymore for many people. So that helps with some. We've got, it's more peaceful and quiet. Now let's talk about um, a con and that would be, it's more work. You've got a bigger lawn. You've got a bigger driveway. You've got trees you've got a certain elements that do not exist in many urban areas so it requires a bit of work like people complain no, about no, cottages. no 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 it's not a bit of work it's a lot of work it's it's a lot of work yes and you have to understand it's a lot of money yes okay because oftentimes more land unless you're going to like fergus and who really wants to go out that far? Although it's actually becoming we more have, desirable now. We have, we have clients. I we was have, hanging we out with clients one. out in Fergus, but <laughs> it's a small percent. It's a small percentage, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but your property taxes go up. Yes. Uh, your cost of home ownership is going to go up because the the purchase price is inevitably going to be higher in most cases depending on what you're selling in the urban setting but um, more land more home more features you're probably going up in price um, so now you got to think can i mow all this lawn and trim it and and do all of the manicuring and maintenance of the property itself i can tell you based on all the houses we see and the people live in our neighborhood i can say the vast majority of people even if you think you can the answer is no so you should hire somebody. Yes, if you're moving to a rural area with that sort but, of property, yeah. even if you have a riding lawnmower and things like that, yeah. you're going to end up hiring things like uh, arborists to fix up some of your trees and you know whatever. Uh, you're, now the home is bigger, so your roof is bigger. You've got septic systems. That's right. right? You've got well water. Some of them have propane or oil tanks. Um, those all require maintenance. Eventually they require replacing and it, it's more money. It's more upkeep. Um, your internet service is more expensive in many cases. And not as fast. Uh, in that's, in that, many cases. Yeah, that's changing. But well, uh, yeah, it'll yes. inev inevitably improve, but it'll never be at the same level as uh in in an urban area 
Correct. Um, and, you know, so, so those are some of the things to consider because a lot of people don't know exactly the undertaking. And what I find is a lot of the homes now we've, we've, we've sold some in the past where, you know, the home is absolutely moving ready, but because of the amount of undertaking on the property and, and the home and all of this, a lot of times you're buying a home that will require a cash injection of some kind right off the onset, whether it's um, updates of some kind, like a renovation. Uh, we had a client that they found out a year later that there was a foundation issue um, and nothing that would have been visible until they started a renovation yeah. and, and started taking out windows and doors. And, and then they recognized, oh, there, there might be a little bit of a problem here. If we're gutting this area of the home, we can't just leave the foundation as it is. We got we to gotta repair the foundation. Um, so, so you find out those kind of unexpected expenses a lot more in a rural property than you would in an urban. What about um, schools? That's something to think about. You know, a lot of conveniences with kids and uh, parents with schools in urban areas is you can walk your kids to school in 10, 15 minutes, sometimes less. Um, so that's a bit different. Um, so that's something to consider is getting to school, whether it be by bus or driving. Uh, usually one of the two is required. There are exceptions, though. Uh, there are some small rural towns where you can live within walking distance of the school. Uh, and there's some rural uh, schools that are extremely highly ranked um, and desirable. Yeah, uh, very, so very good schools in some cases like um, uh, uh, Brookville. Yeah. Um, very, very highly rated school. That's one of the schools I've had on my radar for my kids. Um, but you're right. I mean, the and then th there's that gap in transitional periods because elementary schools are probably a little bit easier to have access to in the rural setting. But then once they transition to high school, oftentimes you're going to a more urban location to get to the high school. So all of a sudden you might have a 10 minute drive to the elementary school, but now you've got a half an hour drive to the high school. And sometimes you don't have bus uh, busing to those areas so so it's up to parents driving them to and from school yes yes yeah. so that's a big factor for people uh and and that's i would say but the schools are quite good in 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 a lot of the rural um settings that we do our transactions in anyway yeah i i, I do get very good feedback like kilbride and and some of those schools are, are just great yeah. And uh, the population of those schools are much smaller. So you have less kids per class. Yeah. It's they, most people will say it's more like a family environment, more like a neighborhood environment within the school and everybody kind of knows each other. Um, so pros and cons to that for sure. Well, and that's, it kind of coincides with the other aspect of just the general conveniences or lack of conveniences of local amenities. Like, you know, right now we can walk down the street, go to the LCBO, the beer store, the grocery store, the pizza shop, the sub shop, the ice cream shop. You know, it's very, very convenient. Um, 
and delivery as well. You can virtually have anything delivered. Depending on your location in a rural area, you it's likely you don't have those that same degree of convenience. And some people may not deliver there, um, depending on where you're at. So those are things to consider. Now, while I say it's a, an inconvenience, it's just it's not as convenient, obviously. But I think when you live in that sort of um, when you have a rural property, you plan accordingly. You know, you're maybe meal planning a little bit better. So you know that on Thursday night, you want to cook hamburgers. So, you know, when you do your shopping on Sunday, you've got everything prepped and ready to go and you're more organized that way. And it reduces a lot of that inconvenience. I agree. Well, just like I see uh, behind you there, you've got stacks of crap that I'm sure that's all of the stuff you're taking to the cottage. Yeah. Uh, and you're going up to the cottage for a week or so, uh, that is exactly what you do when you own a rural property, right? Like you, you do that advanced planning, you, you stock your groceries and stock your cupboards so you don't have to make random trips like to pick up an onion or whatever. Um, and, uh, right. and that's what you do. And you might, have, you might be more inclined to have a nice big garden out back. Yes. Or have some chickens, have a chicken coop. Yes, there you go. I have uh, actually, we have a a beautiful rural property coming up. In fact, when this airs, I don't know, it may be on the market, maybe not, Uh, but soon anyways. And that's on Fifth Line. And that, and and that's like the, for me, that's like the ideal location. Close to town. It's It's like less than five minutes to Walmart. I timed it three minutes with one red light. And there's only three minutes to Walmart in Milton. Yeah, and it's a that's five, tough. That's tough to find. Five acres. The driveway is five hundred feet, so there's some. You got a big driveway to manage, but you know it's the moment you turn on to the lot, it's like you feel you feel good. You feel relaxed. You the just, driveway doesn't bug me, but um, you know if if a tractor isn't included with the purchase, then I would highly (laughs) recommend you visit a local John Deere location with the purchase of a property like that. And you get all of the accessories you need to plow your snow and mow your lawn and, you know, do, do that kind of maintenance. Yeah. And there's another thing with rural. I mean, rural is just, you know, it, uh, there's many types of lots. There's some that are more flat and open. uh, And then there's some that um, are densely treed. Um, so, you know, it depends on what you want and each, each one offers its pros and cons too. And, and this is uh, a topic that we could, uh, kind of debate and, and go back and forth on for, for quite some time, by the way, if you are listening to this podcast and you like what we're talking about right now, or you've got some feedback or you've got your own opinion on rural properties or rural versus urban, uh, drop us a comment, uh, send us a DM. And uh, please give us the thumbs up. Give us, give us the like on, on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you, Adrian, as we kind of wind this episode down, as I mentioned, you and I have talked about this in the past, that probably for both of us, it's quite likely that our next moves, and we've been neighbors now for Will 10 years Will we still almost. be neighbors? Will we still be oh, neighbors? Let's, let's find a lot that's big enough to... Hey, I would consider that if we if we found if we found a big enough lot and could build two custom homes on them and subdivide, I'd be open to that. Um, but 
anyways, assuming that that is not happening, and uh, and let's say you and your wife decide, okay, we're going to sell our house now and we're going to move. Uh, what does that home look like? Where is it? And what features does it have? Oh, that's a good question. You know, what? it's it's, it's a, it would be a tough decision just with. There's so many styles of homes that I love. So I, I really couldn't say the style of home necessarily. I would say a good size. I, I don't know. I like, um, I like densely treed. I like privacy. I, I, for me, if I'm in a rural area, um, having a house is visible from the road is, you know, defeats the purpose. Um, so I want something with privacy, but at the same, it's tough because at the same time, you know, it's nice to have neighbors. Uh, if, assuming you get along, it's nice to have neighbors. You know, go over there, have a drink, have a barbecue. Your kids running back and forth. So it's it's. I'd really have to think about it. But you know, at the end of the day, and my both of my brothers live in Huntsville. They both have properties. I think between three and five acres or so, and they're very private. And I like that a lot. Um, you know, being able to go out and make noise, have a party, have music and and not really interfere with anybody else. Um, I, I enjoy that. I think the the peacefulness of the um, the forest and the birds chirping and the bugs biting, uh, which is another thing, um, you know, which I'd be willing to get over. But that would be my ideal. They're very much like fifth line, to be honest. Um, and the house, I don't know. It's hard to say. I love houses with, I'd want a big, more like a, like a, typical country estate with a big front porch and a swinging chair. And, um, I don't know. It's well, maybe you should buy that property on fifth line then. Sounds, yeah, sounds like it might be the ideal home for you. Yeah, it could very well be. So, um, so mine, I've always loved the Kilbride, Carlisle and Brookville areas. Yeah. So that is exactly where I would have my eyes uh, I wouldn't want anything more than an acre uh, because I wouldn't want to upkeep uh, that and certainly wouldn't want to pay. I would be the type of person that would pay somebody to to upkeep it, much like I do with uh, my cottage, because I wouldn't have the time, I wouldn't have the patience, and I probably wouldn't do it as well. And um, I do not want a home that is hidden, tucked away somewhere. And, and Natalie would agree with me on that. We've talked about it, that uh, we want privacy, but still able to see the homes around you. So if an emergency happens, as an example, you're not tucked away uh, so the kids can, you know, see other people. So you're not totally isolated. Um I think a, for me, a three-car garage would be a dream because I like keeping our vehicles in the garage. But once they're in the garage, there isn't room for stuff. And we have a lot of stuff and it accumulates real quick. So I would give up almost interior size of the home to have extra garage space or a two-car garage with a big um, separate shed or uh, outhouse kind of, not outhouse, uh, um, out storage kind of area yeah. um, outhouse might be good for me I don't know um, and then uh, you know I really love the idea of a one story like a bungalow style maybe even having um, 
uh, sort of a back split. That's hard to find a rule, but uh, bungalow ranch style with a walkout basement would be my ideal. And I don't care what it would look like because I would probably want to make it my own anyways. My biggest thing would be, and I think you would agree, is the, you know, I would want a big in-ground pool, beautiful yes. landscaping, a, you know, a cabana with a TV and a fireplace that, you know, that's my thing I, that I get excited about. Yes. And that's what I was just going to say to me. The more important concept of moving into that setting would be to have the cottage at home. Right. I can see and you I having would, a really nice probably, outdoor kitchen. I would probably kitchen. sell the cottage. I would probably sell the cottage if that was the case, and and right. and at least for a number of years. But um, I mean, of course, you try and have both in an ideal world. You have the lake and boating and fishing and all that stuff is great. But to be able to come home or unwind on a nice, uh, you know, covered patio or a, a beautiful deck that overlooks a nice pool with a waterfall and maybe your hot tub and, and some nice hardscape and landscape around it. Yes. An outdoor kitchen with your smoker and your grill or griddle. Um, all of that stuff is, is beautiful. The challenges it's very pricey. You know, if you can't afford it, do you want to afford it? Um, and that's, that's what it always comes down to. Now, what I see, and we have clients that have done that, you, you just get into that market and you develop that over time, right? So as you appreciate the equity in the home, as you make more money, as you save more money, you know, maybe you don't need that pool right away or you don't need the outdoor kitchen right away. And you, you time things out. Okay, we'll do this in five years. We'll do that in 10 years. And then, you know, oh, for retirement, here's our goal. Or if we want to sell it in 15 years, here's what we need to do to, to get to that stage in in the um, in the home, so so you kind of plan yeah. that. Well, too. and it's not that it's not that expensive. I mean, there's a lot of people in urban uh, areas, Halton and Peel, where they own a one to one point five million dollar house. They could sell that and buy a, a very nice rural property, maybe slightly smaller and older. But in Oakville, a million bucks oh, gets you a single single car garage. Maybe a 2,000 square foot home, maybe a 2,000 square foot home with a single car garage in, in some of the newer areas of, of Oakville. Yeah. Maybe you'll get it for a million bucks, more like 1.1. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for 1.1 million bucks, I can find you a pretty decent home in, in a rural setting. 100%. For, for 1.3, 1.4, you're getting some something really nice. And of course, as your budget goes goes a bit higher, you get bigger, bigger land and you know more move and ready stuff too. But um anyway, lots of pros and cons to to making that move. We're seeing more people do it. If you are listening and you are thinking that this is something I would like to do and you want to chat about it. Uh, most of our transactions that go from urban to rural start the process about a year or two out. So if it you takes want time. That, you got to work yourself up to if, it and answer all those questions and see if it's the right a decision lot of for you. Yes. a lot of properties. It's not as easy as buying a home in uh, uh, an urban setting because many homes are cookie cutters, very similar. You know the areas, whatever. You actually got to get out and see a lot of properties, whether it's virtually or in person, 
And I would say more so in person for those type of homes. Hundred percent, yeah. But you, you got to walk the lot. You got to walk the lot. You got to, uh, you know, walk the street. You got to walk the property, the home. You got to smell it, feel it, touch it. Uh, and I can guarantee you, it's going to take several, several showings before you find homes that that start to check off your boxes. Or more so, more importantly it takes a while before you start recognizing what really is important and what you're willing to overlook. So, yes. Well, I think that goes for all real estate uh, and more so, you know, definitely for rural, but um, you know, if you're considering any type, I think it's good to get out and see things because it helps open your eyes to what you do or don't want. Anywho, that's episode 89 of KT Confidential. If you liked what we were talking about today or if you liked the podcast, give us those thumbs up. Leave us the comments. Leave us the reviews. We really, really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, that's a wrap. We'll see you next week. That's it. Friday night. Ciao. Bye-bye.